And now, it's time for the Mike and Matt Football Show Podcast. Week 10 of the NFL is officially in the books. Episode 10 of the Mike and Matt football show officially underway. 10 episodes already with you, Matt. I am Mike Bachman alongside Matt Petrie, of course. And a week 10 that did not disappoint. A lot of different stories have developed throughout the NFL. A couple of players on the move making their debuts with their respective teams this week. So we'll get into a breakdown of all of that. We'll run you through the injury report, see who is on the injury report now. And we will jump into a larger story uh, regarding John Gruden, the investigation into the Washington football team. That is gaining traction. So we are going to be discussing that and giving our opinions on what could potentially come out of that. So be sure to stick around. We appreciate the support to all of those listening live on ColorCast right now matt i'll bring you in here real quick what's new man not much uh had the weekend to myself me and cooper just living our best lives watching some football uh definitely an interesting weekend great weekend to be a patriots fan i think uh mac jones will definitely be a topic of conversation later in the day but definitely not our biggest story uh a lot to cover uh I will say the winter weather definitely coming into effect and uh, rattling these old bones of mine. But besides that, doing fantastic. So let's jump into uh, the topics of conversation today. And let's start with a couple of guys that were on the move, made their debuts with their with their teams. And let's start with Cam Newton, because if you haven't already known, uh, Cam Newton's back. Uh, that has just been flowing, flying around everywhere. Uh, that'll probably become a meme sooner or later. But Cam Newton was picked up, signed by his former team, the Carolina Panthers, last week. And in his debut, did not start, but did score two touchdowns uh, in two red zone drives there for the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are now 5-5. Five and five. They're 500 in that NFC South. And Sam Darnold now on the injury reserve. The Panthers in a very interesting spot here, Petrie, because bringing in Cam Newton – you know, trying to spark that offense as an electric player, you know, former quarterback for that team, MVP, knows the system. So this team in a very particular situation, especially with putting Sam Darnold on injury reserve. Now, Darnold turned some heads. This was a team that a lot of people were talking about, including us uh, early on in the season. They were 3-0. and Sam Darnold was turning heads, looked really good, but Unfortunately, is now looks like he's seeing ghosts again and just just showing that he I don't even know if he's worth the starting job anymore. I don't even know if Sam Darnold will get a starting job in the NFL uh, after the run that he was on and now on injury reserve. Who knows how much time he's going to miss potentially the whole season? Uh, it seems like the Panthers are prepared for that. But circling back to Cam Newton in the situation and the position that the Panthers are now, just how much. Uh, do you think that Cam Newton is going to do to spark this offense to potentially uh, put them on a run deep, maybe not deep, but at least uh, to a postseason berth? Where do you think Cam Newton falls in, into that? I got to say right off the bat, 
I'm a sucker for these kind of storylines. I just, they draw you in. And for him to, you know, have that, that quote, that moment, get two touchdowns in the return, it's hard not to feel something, hard not to feel some kind of way. It feels almost like maybe I should have picked them instead of the Falcons as my bold slip into the playoffs pick. Because they do, they have the defense for it, like you said. I mean, it is a new coach, so it will be interesting to see if Matt Rule can really get the best out of him. But I really think that he can be that catalyst, and this has sparked a new life into him because Darnold's not going to keep him if he gets the that momentum going. Darnold's not going to take that job back. I, I think Walker only got the start this week because he knew the playbook better. Absolutely, yeah, and it sounds like that the Panthers are prepping Cam Newton to start on Sunday against the football team against his former head coach, Ron Rivera. Uh, so that is also a very interesting storyline if Cam Newton does get the start, but it does sound like that he's going to uh, if practice goes well. And it's exactly what the Panthers need. As you said, Petrie, they've been super aggressive this year in trying to develop that team uh, into a potential playoff threat. The additions on defense, what they've been able to do to develop some of their young talent. They have Christian McCaffrey back, who posted up really good numbers this past weekend. So Cam Newton, I think, will not only help this offense, but also help Christian McCaffrey in particular uh, to try and open up the playbook for him to get him more involved. But it is definitely something that we'll have to follow. And Cam Newton just being that electric player, you know, and not necessarily looking at the box score, but more so just how much of a box office type player he can be with his multiple abilities at the quarterback position. So it's probably the resurgence that he needs to get his career back on track. His stint with the Patriots didn't necessarily go according to plan, but back home in Carolina uh, looking to do some damage and put this team in the right position. But again, they take on the Washington football team this upcoming weekend, and it'll be an interesting storyline to see if Cam Newton can get the job done against them and just got to shout out the football team real quick because they made Tom Brady look like a shell of a man this past weekend. So we'll see if they can do it again with another NFC South opponent, but just going from one uh, performance to the next, we got to talk about Monday night football and the debut of Odell Beckham jr. As a Los Angeles Ram. And, you know, it didn't really go According to plan, per se, Odell was not utilized very much, only caught two, two passes on three targets for a total of 18 yards against the 49ers. But honestly, it really isn't anything that people should be surprised about. Odell really hasn't had the time to practice with these players, to practice with Matt Stafford. The chemistry is not, is not going to be there from the start. And he has to guess, get his mind right. He even alluded to this in his press conference. You know, he took a quote-unquote baby hiatus. It was an emotional toll, what was going on in Cleveland, the fallout there. So he's got to get his mind right as well. It's going to take some time. But with Robert Woods, their number two wide receiver, unfortunately going down with a torn ACL uh, during practice, it definitely opens the door for Odell. It gives Matthew Stafford another deep threat downfield. And, you know, hopefully the Rams can try and find some of that magic, get some of that magic out of Odell to produce on offense. But actually, before we go into this, I'll just get your thoughts here real quick, Petrie, on, uh, on Odell and what you think the future for him in, in Los Angeles could, could look like. Looking at Odell in particular, I do think that, you know, like you said, it's first game as a Ram. Uh, he doesn't know the playbook that well, hasn't had that much time to build chemistry with Matt Stafford, who just lost Robert Woods. And 
What was honestly a bigger surprise to me was how bad the Rams defense looked against a Niners offense that has otherwise looked anemic. Debo Samuel looked like just a world breaker, not that he hasn't all year, but Odell in particular, I think he will, like you said, he talked about his emotional struggles. He talked about the fact that, you know, this would, there's no sugarcoating it. Cleveland was a hostile situation for him. And so I do think that overall we will see him with Deshaun Jackson gone, with Robert Woods gone. I think he can fit in there nicely alongside Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and really fill a role that has opened up due to unfortunate circumstances. I am concerned just with all those big names, big egos, big heads in that locker room now whether it's Jalen Ramsey, Stafford, Donald, Miller, Cup, or Odell, I just wonder if these bad losses continue to pile up, how long they can how long can they really keep that chemistry? Because they're they're starting to slide at the worst time. They are, and they are, it's and no question that Odell will be utilized. Sean McVay will utilize him in his offense. That's the whole reason why they brought him in to be that spark plug uh, in a sense. But I think the more concern kind of going off of your point here is with Matthew Stafford and honestly, some of these receivers, you know, the, this loss to San Francisco shouldn't be pinned all on Matt Stafford made some terrible throws, but his receivers didn't necessarily help him as well. Recording five drops on the night. So back-to-back games with multiple interceptions for Matt Stafford, it's been a little bit of a down slope, uh, you know, and in a, in a race now that's tightening up in the NFC, you know, a bunch of teams are dropping games, as we talked about earlier. The Bucks dropped one. Uh, so it's going to have to really pan out. But Matt Stafford's still really good. It's just a matter of Sean McVay's been, been getting outcoached. He got outcoached last week. He got outcoached by Kyle Shanahan yet again uh, last night. So going to have to go back to the drawing board and, and see where they can find some of that magic again. And it's going to be interesting to see where Odell exactly fits in there. But you have to expect that he is going to be utilized uh, in that offense going forward once he learns the playbook. And it'll be interesting to see just, you know, how good of a player he can become. You know, a lot of people are, are looking at this as the Randy, you know, potential Randy Moss situation in New England. It's going to take some more time to develop because Odell didn't have the offseason that Randy Moss had to uh, prepare and become familiar with that with that system. But nonetheless, it's a fresh start for Odell Beckham Jr., a once box office player, now a box office name. We'll have to wait and see if he can become that once again. But just alluding to the chat, you know, Kevin, I, I really think Mason Rudolph could be that guy, to be that spark plug ahead of Matthew Stafford uh, for – for Odell to find to find form. I'm obviously joking, uh, but nonetheless, you know, we'll have to see where Odell fits in that system in Los Angeles going forward. Let's now move over to another NFC West team that threw up a goose egg this weekend, and it's not looking so bright. Never does in Seattle anyway. It's gloomy and rainy every day up there. But Russell Wilson, dude, oof, coming off of his first game from injury, no points. I mean, Aaron Rodgers didn't play that well either, but want to talk about Russell for a minute because when we were uh, handing out our – I think we were doing our midseason awards or it was our first quarter grades uh, just before the trade deadline, and I thought that there was potentially a chance that Russell Wilson got moved this year. Well, this game, this loss to, to Green Bay uh, really does not help that cause at all. 
Uh, Russell Wilson, the Seattle Seahawks now three and six, dead last in the NFC West. You know, this offense has been sputtering all year. They really haven't been able to find the gas to just keep that pedal to the metal uh, going forward. And I really think that the writing on, is on the wall for, for a rebuild, and that includes moving Russell Wilson. Because if there's one thing that we know about Russell Wilson, it's how much he covets his legacy. It's how much he cares about, you know, that name and being that good of a player uh, in, 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 in his career. And the team right now just doesn't seem to have enough assets to build around Russell Wilson or to potentially keep Russell Wilson around. Uh, so what do you make of this situation? The Seahawks are on notice. Like they know Russell Wilson's not, not happy. We've, we've seen this in green Bay in the off season as well, but uh, what do you think is the bigger picture here for Seattle and Russell Wilson moving forward, Matt? Apologies if you can hear my dog drinking water in the background. I don't know if that's coming through the mic, but speaking of Russell Wilson, I do think that while this is a rough patch and absolutely the worst possible start you could get off to coming back from this injury when there was kind of that smoke of a potential trade rumor coming around, I still think just the chemistry he has with Pete Carroll, although that's also someone whose tenure in Seattle may be shorter than it is long, but I think his chemistry with more particularly his wide receivers, I think that he, he has, I, I think because quarterbacks, they last so long these days. I think he has enough in the tank, even if they have to go through a small rebuild. I, I think that Russ can kind of guide them through that. But do you think that there's going to be enough to keep him around keep in terms around. of young new assets? They, have, they don't have a first-round pick this year because they're still dealing with Jamal Adams' contract. They, didn't, they had three picks last year and I just don't know you take a look at this division with the Rams with the Cardinals even with the 49ers winning with Jimmy Garoppolo like say what you want about Garoppolo the Niners win with Garoppolo on the field I mean what Stafford's doing with with the Rams and obviously with the position that the Cardinals are in right now the Seahawks have an uphill battle I think years to come if this division stays intact and I just don't know if Russell Wilson I just I don't I don't know if Russell Wilson is going to be able to carry that much weight because we've seen this team without him. And with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, yes, really good players. They don't really don't have an identity in the running game. Their defense, you know, they played well against Green Bay, but historically this year has been not good. And their offensive line is has been underperforming as well. So I just don't know if they have the capital to be able to get guys quickly uh, to keep Russell Wilson around because we just know how much of a legacy uh, or how much Russell Wilson cares about his legacy. So I don't know. It's going to – the offseason last year was, was, was exciting. If there's anything about, about the potential offseason this year, it's going to be a sequel to last year uh, with the potential names that are going to be up there. But there are apparent fissures within this organization. And, I mean, Pete Carroll even said if, if it weren't for Russell Wilson, he probably wouldn't be around too long. So Russell Wilson is – the one piece that's holding everything else together in Seattle. I just don't know how, I just don't know realistically how much, how much longer it lasts. I do wonder, we already discussed it the first time we brought this up, but the more, I wonder what teams are feasibly in a position to acquire him 
while still keeping themselves as realistic contenders. Because like we said, there's not much of a red flag you can bring up when you're, there's no allegations or huge. I mean, he's been injured here and there, but nothing that makes you think he's a chronically injured player. He still has probably four to five years left of what you could call a quarterback's prime. If we're going off an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady or even a Drew Brees. And I think he's put himself in that kind of echelon. And so you think it's probably going to take at least three first round picks to get Russell Wilson out of Seattle. And I'm trying to think of the teams that are in positions to really offer that. And I'm thinking a Dolphins could try and really take a Hail Mary. The Broncos could mortgage their future and try and sell him. Although getting rid of Von Miller makes it look like that will not be an option that they pursue. It looks like they're going to go for more of a slow build, which I think is the right call for them. They can get a quarterback who can kind of adjust to their young receiving core. Maybe I just want this team to be good, but I think if Russell Wilson sticks at one more year in Seattle, by that point, and this is going to be one of the craziest things I say, I think the Lions could be a destination even. I think with their draft draft capital, one of the best young O-lines in football, a great young core of skill position players, good cap space, a good coach who, I mean, say what you will about them. He's done everything he can with an awful team to try and keep them competitive. And somehow they're one of the best. Oh, they're probably the best. Oh, and eight team. Oh, and nine team I've ever seen. <laughs> so oh, eight and one, oh, eight and one. Sorry. Yes. Don't you Sorry. Yes. Oh, eight and one. My apologies. They avoided becoming the old lions by just a marginal fraction, but you are right. Sit- oh, eight and one after this. I had to After sit one of the worst football that games. hot garbage mess that just I don't I, I, I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, first of all, that was a perfect transition from from some of the comments in the chat. So so credit to you, Matt. Potential Vikings moving on from Kirk Cousins this year if they don't make the playoffs. You know, maybe that opens the door for them to go after Russell Wilson if they're not sold on Kirk Cousins. I mean, Kirk. The, the Vikings four and five big win against the Chargers this this weekend. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, dude. I am a fan of Kirk Cousins. He's playing really good football right now. I mean, he doesn't show up in 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 primetime moments in, in his career, but he's got the Vikings in a the Vikings are probably the best under 500 team in 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 the league. And they've been able to hang. They've been able to put up points. And they've been able to hang with these teams. They just can't close the deal. So, uh, you know, if Kirk Cousins is on the move, maybe that opens the door for them for uh, for Russell Wilson. I think Miami is an interesting option, especially with the Deshaun Watson talks uh, kind of feasling out a little bit. I think when it comes to Kirk Cousins, I feel like we just see this story every year from him. He he spends the first half of the year putting up more good moments than bad. Middle of the middle end of the season, that's when you really start to see the blips. And he either there are two sparks, two branches that happen around week 12, week 13, which is either the last false hope of Kirk Cousins, which gets you into the playoffs and helps you lose that wild card game, or where Kirk Cousins completely falls off and just decimates your playoff hopes. And it just feels like when you got a guy who's handing it off to Dalvin Cook, throwing to Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, he 
he can get you there. He really can, but he just as easily and almost always on cue plays you out the door. And I just, I, before I can, I just feel like I've bought the Kirk Cousins fool's gold one too many times. And now I, I, I've become a hard skeptic with him. That's fair. That, that is completely fair. And week 12, week 13, we'll find out in, in two weeks what the destiny of Minnesota is if they're in for any good luck, uh, because that franchise definitely needs it. But uh, let's now move over to your boy. We, we will talk about Mac Jones here for a minute, Petrie, because the Offensive Rookie of the Year award is is he's closing the gap dude i mean he was what was he the first patriots rookie quarterback to throw three touchdown passes and no interceptions in franchise history this 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 weekend patriots now on a four game winning streak i mean in my opinion jamar chase still is the favorite but you have to take notice of what what mac jones has has been able to do for the patriots and you know, this is a league what that loves quarterbacks and they value their quarterbacks so much higher than a running back or a wide receiver for for these awards. So he has the potential to lead the Patriots to the playoffs and he has been taking advantage of every opportunity uh, that has been handed to him and has been has been playing well. And the Patriots have done a phenomenal job of scheming for him, of game planning for him, not doing anything out of the ordinary, but playing to his strengths. And he's played some really, really good football out of as of late. He's making really good decisions. He's throwing a crisp ball. He made some incredible throws to a Browns defense that uh, clamped the, the Bengals uh, one week ago. Uh, I mean, he has really been playing some really good football. So I'll let you kind of elaborate a little bit on what you fully on what you truly think the ceiling is for Mac Jones. But he's done a really he's done a really nice job and is taking advantage of every opportunity. Every single week, Mac Jones has looked better. The progression, the development, the confidence, it's all tangibly better in the numbers, in the record. The team is 6-4 and four with a legitimate chance to once again win the AFC East. They're obviously not in first, but they're within, you know, they can smell the Bills. They can smell the Bills. And they beat the Browns, which was one of their question mark games. Bills were always going to beat the Jets. That wasn't a question mark for them. If the Patriots can keep pulling out their question mark games, there's a real, the Bills have shown they can lay a dud. The Bills have shown they can put up a six-point game still despite all of their talent against awful competition. So we know that they, they have some flaws to them, but also going to Jamar Chase, the biggest competition that Mac Jones has, he's averaging 93 yards per game. That's incredible. That's ridiculous numbers. But over the last two games combined, he only had 91 total yards. So the Bengals, they're starting to look like they might be pretenders. And in that same right, that's going to lead to some, some lack of production for Jamar Chase. If they start to really implode on themselves in true bungle fashion. And I think just based off these trends, based off the fact that Mac Jones is being allowed to really in a week where we didn't have Damian Harris, the Patriots went through Mac Jones and it benefited them. And I think they're going to take that confidence and run with it down the stretch. And I wonder if the same can be said for Jamar Chase. I'm almost more worried about Najee Harris in Pittsburgh. I can't lie. I'm sure that – I see that bring a little smile to your face. 
I think that when you talk about Pittsburgh and you talk about the Patriots, you talk about two of the best franchises of the 2000s, the 2010s, whatever you want to call it, and two of the best coaches of that era, two of the best coaches of any era. When you look at how a team projects and how a team is trending, I think that says a lot about how their players are going to trend. That feels kind of obvious to say that, but I could see Najee Harris continuing to just get stronger and stronger as this year goes on. And I could almost see him, especially as the Steelers try and push for a wild card spot, really make himself also some headway in that competition. But I think, I really think Matt Jones has firmly solidified himself as a realistic contender for the award. Yes, I, I agree with every, I agree with everything that you said uh, regarding Najee Harris real quick. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be able to do enough. He's got, he's got the scrimmage yards, uh, you know, and what he's been able to do as a pass catcher um, has definitely been encouraging. And the fact that he's been the sole option in the backfield uh, this entire year and what he's been able to do, even with this offensive line that is, that has struggled and that's very inexperienced Steeler football revolves around the running back revolves around strong defense and their defense still remains to be a, a top tier unit, all things considered. Um, and you know, the running game definitely helps. It definitely helps. It's still not exactly there. You know, Najee Harris is still averaging under four yards per carry. So needs to just get those numbers up a little bit. His longest run is 20 yards. Um, but still what he's able to do as a three down back and, in the passing game, because, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, he doesn't have the arm strength. He can't throw the ball downfield. So a couple check down throws to your running back and to some of these receivers is, is definitely going to be the recipe uh, for success. Now, whether they're successful or not, now that still remains to be seen. Uh, but Najee Harris down the road, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he could do. I think he's a great player. He's one of my favorite players. But Mac Jones, he's making it interesting. And just to kind of wrap this conversation up, uh, just about the Patriots. You're exactly right. The Patriots are peaking at the right time and the Bengals are slipping. Uh, this Patriots defense looks like the Patriots defense that we're so used to seeing clamping teams. They clamped the Browns that scored 40 plus against the Bengals a week ago and the Bengals too with a top 10 defense uh, and also their offensive line protecting Mac Jones, giving him time. And like you said, they're sniffing the bills right now. The bills are right there. The Patriots are just just as good and they're right there as well could they make a potential deep run in the playoffs mac jones continues this play uh it's going to be really exciting but great fit obviously under bill belichick it's a system he wants to be in learning from the best of the best and making the most of his opportunity so yeah that's a breakdown of what's been going on uh, a couple players on on the move and and what they're doing with their respective teams but matt before we transition into our big topic of conversation of the day what do you say we institute another would you rather i think we can do that hmm let's see i, I had think, a couple i gotta think of this is, I, I gotta dude loved last week the the andrew luck megatron uh career was 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 very interesting so i'd be curious to see what you have on tap for us and the listeners here tonight all right Let's go with another. Uh, it'll be a little more. I don't want to say this is going to be controversial per se, because I think 
it can be, it's definitely an interesting question. So would you rather have been able to live in a world where Michael Vick was not a questionable human being and we get to see what his full career would have been like, what, you know, would they have won a Super Bowl with that team they had before he went to prison? What would his record, would he, would Lamar Jackson still be chasing records? What, you know, just would we be able to speak about his legacy without, you know, speaking of it in tatters? Or would you rather have seen Mr. Father of them all, probably going to get a TLC show, Philip Rivers with LT, that group, win a Super Bowl? Basically my 2010s, 2000s, what reality do you want to see more? Not quite as, not two big superstars like last week, but two kind of sadder careers that got to see their way through, but whether it was due to injuries and bad luck or some of the worst decision-making you can make, just didn't see it through. For me, for me, it's pretty easy. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to say Michael Vick. Michael Vick is definitely somebody, somebody's career that uh, I would have liked to have seen uh, unfold further. We know what Philip Rivers, well, that's not necessarily the question, uh, but I'll circle back. Yes to Michael Vick. Um, who knows the complexion of that Falcons team? Who knows where Matt Ryan goes, how long he stays? Um, as far as Philip Rivers, LT, I mean, Anto- so many players, Antonio Gates, so many players on that on those Chargers teams that never were able that never were able to get a ring. Um, and Philip Rivers being one of the great, probably one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game that just never had the success in the postseason, never made it to a Super Bowl. But I still I got to go with Michael Vick just because if he was if he was still in the league, if he continued to play at that level, who knows what the complexion of the quarterback position would look like? Would we see more Lamar Jacksons in the early 2010s? You know what what the emphasis on the running game would look like as a quarterback, how that would all be valued. I mean, Michael Vick essentially changed the game at, at, at his time. And, you know, that would just be even more emphasized if he was still in the league and, and, and obviously wasn't, wasn't out of it. So I would have to, I would have to say Michael Vick, who knows if the Falcons would be able to get any success uh, with him under center, but definitely would have been interesting to see what kind of records he would have, he would have been able to achieve and just what that would have looked like. Uh, because you would have to believe that guys like Lamar Jackson would be chasing those right now uh, if it ever came to it. But I would have to say Michael Vick. All right. And I will hit you with, I had two options for who Michael Vick was going against. And so since you've picked Michael Vick versus the Chargers, I do have one other competitor for him that I'll just see if it's a little tighter for you, which is, would you have rather seen his full career play out? No issues or seeing Tim Tebow get one last true starting opportunity in the league. Never. Tim Tebow is responsible for one of the most awful moments as a Steelers fan in my lifetime in that quick slant to Demarius Thomas in Denver to send him to New England in the postseason. On the first play of overtime, Tim Tebow. Uh, No. Still Michael Vick. 
I would like to, I, but I, uh, although I definitely would have liked to see Tim Tebow in a Jaguars uniform playing tight end. That, uh, that is something I would have, I would have liked to have seen. I'll still give it to Michael Vick. Still give it to Michael Vick. But that, that, those are good. Those are two good ones there, Matt. Always, always love the insight. Uh, now, want to transition to a bigger story that has dropped in the NFL. Uh, this is something that's been brewing, been in the making, and it's now official. And let's talk, let's talk about it because I know we have a lot to say about it. Uh, John Gruden, former head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, is suing the NFL and Commissioner Roger Goodell. Uh, the statement from Gruden's attorney says, quote, the complaint alleges that the defendants selectively leaked Gruden's private correspondence to the Wall Street, uh, Wall Street Journal and New York Times in order to harm Gruden's reputation and force him out of his job. There's no explanation or justification for why Gruden's emails were the only ones made public out of the 650,000 emails collected by the NFL's investigation of the Washington football team or why the emails were held for months before being released in the middle of the Raiders season. Now, to catch you up on this, Gruden sent emails to then Washington President Bruce Allen containing racist, homophobic and misogynistic language. Uh, he resigned from his job as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders about a month ago. And now is suing the NFL. What's so interesting about this is the idea that the NFL does not plan to release the remaining emails. And this is as a matter of confidentiality and because they feel that nothing stemming from those emails need to, needs to be reported to clubs or league leadership. And the NFL Players Association has requested the NFL to release those emails. There's been a petition, a uh, couple of wa former Washington football team uh, employees have requested to have those emails released as well. But just based on the statement by Gruden's attorney here, they believe this was a hit job. They believe that there was malicious intent involved and that the NFL framed, carried out, carried this out with malicious intent. Now, I'm going to take a step back. I'll preface everything. John Gruden got what he deserved. John Gruden should never hold a job in the NFL ever again. Um, and honestly, this whole situation is unraveling and turning into a, turning into a mess because the NFL refusing to release the remainder of these emails is fishy and makes you question what exactly is, is going on here. Uh, because quite frankly, Petrie, I, I think the defense, I think Gruden is going to have himself a, a very good case against the NFL because this was a workplace in a, an investigation on the workplace culture of the Washington football team, the NFL in their invest or the in this investigation saw these emails from Gruden to then President Bruce Allen containing this language. They acted appropriately and John Gruden resigned and he should never have a job in the NFL ever again. But my big problem with this whole situation remains the fact that the NFL won't, won't release these emails to say that it's confidential, confidential to who this was an investigation into workplace harassment and culture doesn't make sense 
why was it appropriate to then release Gruden's emails? And yet I'll throw in Adam Schefter as well, because they, they did throw in Adam Schefter for journalistic practice or whatever he did. Uh, but since then, they've been quiet. They're not releasing these emails. We haven't heard anything about Dan Snyder, the man probably behind most of this for Washington. I mean, Gruden said what he said, therefore deserves everything. He should not be painted as a victim. But at the same token, we know nothing. We know nothing, zero, about the findings into what this investigation was about in the first place. We deserve to know. The victims deserve to know. This turned into this turned into a problem not even really relating to the Washington football team. This turned into a problem from a head coach from a separate football team. And again, Gruden deserves everything. But the way the NFL is carrying this out, how does that how could that not make you skeptical? Skeptical that they're protecting their owners, that they're protecting the elites in this organization. If they truly, truly cared, and I said this weeks ago when, 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 Groot, when, this all, when all this stuff came out, if the NFL truly, truly cared about making change, they would release these emails. They would do something about it, but they're not. Because again, like everything else in this world, it's about the money, it's about protecting the elites, and that's what they're doing. It doesn't make sense. And Gruden, because of that, I think is going to have himself a strong argument against them. The one thing that I think is going to be difficult, you read in the statement from his attorney, the fact that it was in order to harm his reputation and force him out of his job. They're going to have to prove that there was malicious intent involved. They're going to have to prove that these emails were leaked to the Wall Street Journal and to the New York Times. We could sit here and believe all of this, but unless they prove it, there's probably going to be no case, but there is a strong, strong argument for this. So a lot to unpack, Matt, I'm interested to hear what you have to say, what you have to say on the matter, because it's just, it's a sticky situation. It's a sticky situation. All things considered. I think that's a great uh, emphasis at the beginning. It's a sticky situation. I think that's a great way of putting it. I think breaking it down in reverse, I think starting with how they argue it in court, I think you make a great point. They're going to have the burden of proof of proving that there was some malicious intent. I do think that they'll be able to take the workaround of as long as they can somehow get access, their legal team should at least be able to get access to those emails. And so long as there is in fact controversial evidence on those emails, they'll be able to work around the, infer the motive of harming Gruden by singling out the fact that only he was targeted if there are more emails of similar content. I think that will infer targeting because even if that wasn't the NFL's direct intent, if there is something of similar magnitude in there that is not John Gruden and it's been covered up, I think that will be enough to flip burden of proof back onto the NFL where they will have to then provide some ass pull reason as to why they didn't reveal these emails because as it currently stands, it's just, they, they really don't seem to have that, that are, like you said, there's a great argument that Gruden has for all my nerdy comic book friends out there. If there are any out there, it's like if the Legion of doom is sitting around and Batman comes in and just grabs the Riddler 
and the Joker and Lex Luthor are right there. The Riddler is still a villain. He's still a bad guy, still deserves what he's getting. But he also has every right to say, hey, the Joker and Lex Luthor are back there too. Why am I the only one getting dragged out and sent to jail here, guys? You know, that just because one guy is still in the wrong does not mean that the rest of the pawn doesn't need to be skimmed. So I think that Gruden absolutely has a great case. I think, like you said, unfortunately, money drives this world and it especially drives these private corporations like the NFL. I think that, like you said, they'll do anything they can to protect their owners. Dan Snyder in particular, because he's so often in hot water, seems to, they almost seem conditioned to be ready to just protect his ass and whoever else is in Washington. I just, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just find it hard to believe that in an invest multiple month long investigation to, to uncover 650,000 to think that Gruden's the only one involved here that had anything to say. I just find it so hard to believe. And Petrie, the timing of all of this, why not? If, if this was such a stemming matter and if they knew about this months ago in the summer months, why wait? Why wait? You know, really interesting that they that they decided to release the first email just as the Raiders start to sniff success, just as they start to sniff success. If this was a large problem and they knew about it, then let them know in the offseason. Mark Davis literally even said that he did not know about this until what was it? I think it was like October 7th, it's like a week before their first, the, the first game that Gruden played, didn't resign. So then they decide to leak even more to force, to force him out to reside. And again, he is not a victim. He is not a victim. Deserves all the punishment. But I am upset and aggravated with the way that the NFL has handled the rest of this. Because again, it just proves to me that they don't care about enacting change and they're not going to listen to the players or to those under the league owners or under all these other higher ups in the organization. Goodell, the league are going to do whatever they whatever they can to protect their buddies, to protect those bringing in the bringing in the green. And it's unfortunate because there are a lot of voices right now. That are probably be that are probably being suppressed. That have probably dealt with some shit in that organization. And quite frankly, the NFL is is doing a disservice to these people that deserve the truth. Somewhere in this lies lies the truth. And whether we find out what exactly that truth is remains to be seen. I don't think. And you know, judging by everything that we know, judging by how all of this was unfolded. I just don't I just don't understand. And and it just further proves that the NFL doesn't does not truly care about enacting change. It's all a stage act. And it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out, because like we've talked about, Gruden's got a lot of Gruden. His legal team has a lot of substance to back on. And whether these emails are released, don't know. But it's certainly a situation that is only on, this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning. Lawsuit wise, email wise. I mean, this 
this is not good regardless for the NFL. It doesn't matter how it, how it unfolds. It's not a good situation. So this is something that we will continue to monitor. We'll see what happens down the line. Uh, but nonetheless, John Gruden officially suing the National Football League and Commissioner Roger Goodell. Crazy situation, Matt. Crazy situation. It really is. It, I do one, – one final note regarding the legality of the case. I do think there will be – a strong starting point is, I think, the timing and the fact that, like you said, when he didn't resign, they then immediately leaked more to literally drive him from his job. Once again, we're not sympathizing with him. He deserves what he got. But it does feel like it was a targeted and deliberate attempt to, as you said, right when the Raiders are doing well, middle of the season, without much notice, just one guy's emails from what we know to be hundreds of thousands. It just it feels like they're going to have a lot of ground to do some digging. And like you said, this is only the beginning of what, for all we know, with how the legal system works, we could still be talking about this beginning of next year or with how long these processes can be dragged out. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, for sure. quite frankly, Gruden is an idiot for, for, for doing what he did, sending these on a public work email. So, again, a lot of substance. Uh, Going to be interesting to see what happens and how the NFL responds to this. And just how how deep into the season, how long how long this is? Because again, I think this is we think this is just the beginning uh, to a potential bad road for the NFL. And uh, you know, in a season that has been exceptional in terms of on field product, you talked about the administrative what the administrative woes that have uh, that have the, the NFL has been dealing with. But in terms of on field scenarios, on field action, the game itself outside of officiating has been great. It's been fantastic. We talk about it every week. Uh, Don't even man, get me started a... on the officiating, Mike. Don't get me started. No, I know. I know. We're going to take a step back and maybe maybe hold that for next week uh, because I know that the refs are just just not, not on good terms with you. You're not on good terms with them, as for everybody, because everyone should be fed up with them. Uh, but the NFL's got some problems, and – you know, we'll have to wait and see just just what happens. But big story. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But that's going to do it for us, I think, today uh, for week 10. We want to thank everybody for tuning in live on ColorCast. Uh, we want to uh, send our thanks and our appreciation for you. You can follow us on Twitter at Mike Matt Show for updates on what's going on throughout the week. Be sure to check out the rest of the casters on color cast big slate tonight. I know the warriors are on, got a bunch of names calling that game, some awesome talk shows as well. So definitely uh, go show your support there. Um, And we are here every Tuesday live at 7 PM Eastern, 6 PM central. We have a podcast that drops every Wednesday morning. Uh, It is a podcast version of this show. So just in case you miss out on the live show, we podcast it every Wednesday morning on Spotify. So it's up there for you guys as well. Um, And yeah, definitely follow us on Twitter, on our socials, and be sure to check out all the other casters here on this platform. So we appreciate the support, Matt. I thank you as always for being my awesome co-caster. Really do appreciate the conversation and looking forward to another great week of NFL. Week 11 here, dude. 
Absolutely. It's been a blast. This has made the NFL season twice as much fun. It's been so cool to see the engagement just growing every week. Look forward to all the new faces and all the returning loyal faces. It's just been a blast. Right on, man. Couldn't have said it any better. So thank you, ColorCast, for giving us this platform to build this brand. Thank you for listening tonight. We'll see you same time, same place next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Enjoy the rest of your week, guys. We will talk to you soon.